Welcome Cat Fam and friends of Crusader Athletics, I'm Ryan Gasser. If you're a fan of sport, you're well aware of the injury report. But who are the people that bring the injured back to the field of play? We visit the athletic training room and talk with head athletic trainer Matt Smith to hear about his day-to-day, -day, some of the unknowns about his job, and to get to know another side of the guy heading up the treatment of our student athletes. Then, we know we're in an election year, so we thought it fitting to talk to a young Capitol alumnus that is beginning his political career at the state level. We talked to former football player Kane Murray from the class of 2019 and learn about his job serving the people of the state of Ohio. All that and your AD update from Dixie Jeffers 2. It's now time for season two, episode three of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. All right, Cap fam, we're going to kick off this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders the way that we always do. We're going to begin with our AD update. And for that, we, of course, bring in Interim Director of Athletics and Recreation, Dixie Jeffers. And Coach Jeffers, uh, we had a little bit of a scare last week. That's, uh, you know, been something that's been documented. Uh, we had a couple of student athletes that reported symptoms. But the good news is that there were no positive tests. Uh, for COVID and that anybody, the spread was stopped because of the procedures that were put in place by uh, members of your administration. So just looking at how that all unfolded and the fact that we're back up and running, how pleased are you with the policies, the procedures and how they were executed? I'm ecstatic, especially with our medical staff. They have worked um, from beginning of June all the way up till today and uh, our plan's working. We were very diligent and intentional of what we were trying to do, and we had several kids um, this past week in quarantine, but with no positive tests, and so we're up and running again. We're back into phase two. We'll be in phase two until Franklin County comes out of, of red. So that's going to be a several more weeks, but at least we're up running. At least we're up with the ball in our hands and running and going again. And that's fantastic news. I know that it was kind of a little bit demoralizing especially since we were almost an hour away from beginning photo day that was kind of like that's really the official you know start of the season when photo day happens but we had to cancel and it was all out of the you know for safety of everybody staff included just you know how do you feel especially now that we enter flu season and you know spread can happen a little bit more easily you know is the policy that was put into place in the summer how confident are you that it's going to continue to succeed even through uh, flu season and when things are escalating here in Franklin County and outward? Well, I just heard Dr. Fauci speak this morning about the flu and so forth. If we continue to wear masks and do the protocol that we're doing for COVID, we're going to be able to keep the flu down. So they have very few flu cases reported, you know, nationally and so forth. So I feel good about our plan and where we're headed. Kids can got to continue to believe and kids got to continue to do the protocol and so forth. Not drink after one another is really critical. And I think our kids have done a great job and we're just trying to get creative right now with the weather turning cold and what we can do inside. And I'm appreciative to the university because they've done a really nice job with our HVAC system of putting more of an air purifier in and so forth. I feel good that this is a safe bubble for us. Now I know that we are practicing, we are preparing for a season, and basketball is now underway as far as prepping for a potential season. 
I'd be remiss to ask, as we revisit this subject almost every other week, is there any update that you can provide as far as what basketball season may or may not look like? I know we've been waiting on the NCAA, so what's the latest? This is going to be the week. We have been told, and we've been told all along, that the end of October, there was a lot of different things that were going to come out um, at us. So the, the latest is that there's a blanket waiver um, for everybody the entire year, not just basketball, for everybody. D2, D3 is going to get a blanket waiver, That in, actually D1, that this year doesn't count. Towards so, your eligibility. Towards your eligibility. So we're all trying to play as many games as we can. We can pick up other games with maybe some North Coast people. We're going to get creative, and it really depends on the, the amount of testing that we have to do, um, the validity, the type of test that we can get a hold of from a cost factor, and what does this thing look like moving forward? Because there are areas of Ohio that are gonna go purple and we are in a pretty good red right now. So we're just slow playing things and just trying to do what we can do to give these kids the best experience that we can. So I wanna go into two areas off of that question. And, and the first one is over the last week or two, the NCAC made its announcement that winter championships aren't gonna happen. But that doesn't mean that the NCAC is down during the winter sports season. It's a little bit of a, you know, contentious uh, situation even we call within it that. AAU. There you go. <laughs> so, given the fact that yes, their winter championships are down, but some schools are still trying to play games, does that give you any more or less optimism for our particular situation? I don't know about more optimism. I just know that we're doing everything within our power to figure out how schools in Ohio can play one another and do it safely and be able to have enough money to do it. There's just so many hoops that we have to jump right now. And uh, we're willing to uh, navigate those waters and we are investigating it very, very hard um, to be able to have a winter season. There's nothing more than any of us want, especially me, having a, a second invested interest in it. I've been wanting to, to play basketball this winter. So the other part of that question is when the NCAA does hand down its decision, its guidelines and protocols, what is the, what is the procedure after that? What does the OAC do? What does Capital do? And is there any kind of an idea of a timeline between that point and when a final decision is made on what Capital University is going to do for its winter sports season? Well, as I've said every time that we've went on here, it's a fluid situation. So when you're in a fluid situation, you're, you're talking in ifs, maybes, huh. <laughs> and uh, it just, we don't know what it's going to look like. We are trying to be creative, maybe playing back-to-back -back contests. Uh, so maybe we play Otterbein Friday over there, and Otterbein comes over here on a Saturday and plays us the next day, of keeping the test costs down. We just, we really are trying to be creative and think through every avenue that we can go into and then think about the four schools in the NCAC that maybe we add them to the pot, you know, of being able to have some experiences. There's just so much to, to discuss yet and hopefully by the end of the week we'll be able to evaluate it. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to be evaluated, I think, up until maybe Thanksgiving that we really know. I think we're going to set schedules. I think we're going to try but I think the real reality is going to be around Thanksgiving. 
Well, and, and I apologize if we keep on going down the same road and it's like a broken record, but I think the people would want to know every every other we, week. We and, would love to know. Okay? <laughs> we all do. We really would love to know. But, you know, the NCAA, just like we're sitting here telling you that we don't know, they don't know either. And it, it's not too often I'm going to defend the NCAA, but I'm defending them today. They don't know either, and they have taken incredible huge furloughs and so forth, and they're still working and trying to figure it out with us all. And uh, I think the answers are around the corner of at least an idea of what we can do, but the answers aren't gonna be settled till later on, I think, November. It has to be incredibly difficult to serve more than probably a thousand schools all across the country at different levels and uh, different situations. So we, we will just have to patiently wait our turn for well, those answers. it's agonizing. It's yeah. agonizing because you feel for the student athletes um, and I think that's the hardest thing to deal with right now is on each one of our campuses, we're all doing and going through the same struggles of what kind of experience can we give to our kids? We want to do the best we can do, and then you feel like you're not doing enough. And we're not, but we're doing everything that we can possibly do in a safe manner. Well, let's talk about something that hopefully is not like a broken record. And that's an, a, a special event that we really haven't done thus far in athletics. And that's a uh, welcome to Capital recruitment event. And it's going to span all of the sports here at Capital. We're going to bring them into uh, Burnmore Stadium and give them sort of a presentation of sorts and, and show them why Capital is so awesome. Can you speak to that event and, and what I you... I can. Yeah. I can. So, well, a lot of us have visited uh, prospective student athletes throughout COVID when the kids weren't here. When our student athletes were on campus, we weren't in session, we were visiting kids because we needed to get ahead of everything. So I wanted to bring all those kids back to campus, meet our president, meet our provost, meet some faculty members, hear from some alums, and meet the coaches and our student athletes, the most important people, who they're gonna spend the rest of their career with for the next four years. So we're going to drive them back to campus here um, on Saturday and we're going to have a meet and greet and, and follow the protocol out in the stadium and so forth and I'm really excited about it and I'm anxious for the staff. The, the whole staff hasn't even met our president Dave Kaufman so I'm anxious for the staff to meet Dave Kaufman to hear his vision for athletics. I, I'm anxious to hear our direct report Jody Fournier talk about it and some faculty members come up and talk about the CAP fam and how we're excited about what direction we're having because my motto is whatever this pandemic's doing, we're gonna come out better on the other side. And I think that's what we're trying to do at Capital is find a way to be better coming out of this than what we went in. Fantastic, we all look forward to that event. And if there's any prospective student athletes that are out there that are listening and wanna partake in this event, contact the head coach of your respective program and they'll put you into touch on how to get re uh, registered for that event. We're running out of topics to talk about, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about one in particular that doesn't really involve capital so much as it does this entire country. Election day is upon us and will have come and gone by the time the next episode of Forward Capital Crusaders airs. Not to get partisan or anything like that, but it is everybody's civic duty to be able to go out and participate in this that can. So coach, just talk in general about you know, the importance of this election, not just from the top at the country level, but even at the local level and how important it is to participate. I, like you said, it's our civic duty. Um, 
I was able to vote when I turned 18, and I've been voting ever since, and I just encourage everyone to exercise their voice and their right. Um, I think the thing that bothers me more than anything is somebody complaining, and I say, did you vote? They say, no, then you don't get a voice. I don't want to hear about it. I just, it's the right thing to do, and we are in record numbers this year uh, to see where this country's going to go. We've all experienced things since COVID, and some people said COVID. Some people blame it on other different politicians and politics and whatever. This is a pivotal time for us, and I think everybody has the right to vote and should use their right. Well, we hope that everybody out there does, whether it's on November 3rd or if it's earlier, however you're doing it, please do so. We're actually going to talk to an alumnus of Capital Football that is working in state government and would probably reiterate a lot of those things and maybe even give you a little bit of an inside look at the process. So stay tuned for that as we talk with Kane Murray, alumnus of Capital Football. But until then, Coach, thanks very much for giving us our AD update today. And the next time that we speak, I'm hoping that we have a little bit more to discuss as far as what the winter sports season looks like. I hope we do too, but until then, go Cap. All right, and with that, we will move forward here on this episode of Forward Capital Crusaders. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking with head athletic trainer Matt Smith and, as we mentioned, Capital Football alumnus Kane Murray. Stay tuned. All right, Cap fam, we're deviating from the typical coach and program update and checking in with someone that is technically not a coach but still gets called coach from time to time. You know, when you get hurt, this is the guy that he or a member of his staff is treating you to get you back onto the field. So today we're actually touching base with head athletic trainer Matt Smith. Now, Matt, you've been at Capitol just a smidge longer than I have, so we're going on year seven together, partner, and Year seven's been a wild one, but before we get into the challenges that 2020 has presented, I want to educate people on just what goes on in your office and that athletic training room beyond what you would probably expect. So welcome to the program, head athletic trainer Matt Smith. And, and Matt, again, my number one goal, if anything, is to get you to say more than 500 words, some of those that don't involve the Pittsburgh Penguin hockey team. Uh, so we'll just get through the pleasantries. Where did you come from? What was your hometown? And, and what was your path to, to capital? Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, I grew up in uh, Menor, Ohio, which is about 20 minutes northeast of Cleveland. Following graduation from Menor High School, I, I went to the University of Toledo where I studied um, athletic training. Um, got to spend some time with uh, all those teams up there at the UT. Uh, spent a lot of time with the football team. Um, following graduation, um, I got the opportunity to travel to uh, Charleston, South Carolina to do uh, my, master's, uh, my master's studies at the Citadel, which is the military college of Charleston, South Carolina. I uh, got to spend two years there working with fo the football team and the wrestling team. Um, got my degree, uh, and then I uh, I got the opportunity to stay in in the, in the military colleges and went to West Point uh, and and got the opportunity to work with the Army football and uh, baseball teams for a couple years. Um, after two years at Army, uh, the, the job was amazing. The facilities were amazing. Uh, West Point is as beautiful as any place that you can visit in the country. Um, I did have the opportunity to move back to Charleston, South Carolina, and take a full-time position at the Citadel. Um, and the opportunity to live on the beach uh, and make more money was a, a great opportunity. So I went back to Charleston, South Carolina. I worked at the Citadel. I was um, the... the um, 
assistant director of sports medicine there under a legendary athletic trainer, Andy Clausen, who's now, I believe, in his 50th year and a Hall of Famer. Um, there I, I got, got to assist with the football team. Um, I was also the head athletic trainer for the Citadel baseball team as well as the director of baseball operations. So I basically did everything for baseball that was on the outside of the foul lines. Um, did all the orders of the food, the hotels, equipment ordering, uh, and then on top of that still took care of the athletes on a day-to-day basis. Um, after five years there, um, I started to get the itch to be a, a head athletic trainer. I was, I was done being an assistant. The opportunity at um, Capital University opened up. Uh, I, I decided, you know, Columbus, Ohio is a little bit closer to back where I'm from, so I decided to uh, apply. Uh, on my trip, I was pleasantly surprised with Capital University um, and took the job as soon as they uh, offered it to me and been here ever since. I'll try not to hold it against you that you're a Toledo guy, being a BG guy. You know that there's that heated rivalry between us, though. <laughs> yeah, heated rivalry that Toledo wins the majority of the time. Oh, we're not going to go down that slippery slope now. But, uh, you know, it, quite the path. And, and you mentioned multiple times that you worked in a military setting. How does that experience differ from what your what the, you know, outside or civilian lifestyle is? Um, and how did that shape you into, you know, the way that you operate today? Uh, well, you know, on top of uh, taking care of athletes at, at the Citadel, um, I have also uh, covered the infirmary and, and what was called sick call, and I took care of any injuries um, that the normal everyday cadet uh, receives during their military training. I've seen everything from overuse marching injuries to actually gunshot wounds. Um, so it's, it's broadened my, my experiences um, working with the cadet athlete uh, is is something that's very special. Um, they uh, they're very seldom do you ever have to tell them something twice, um, and and they're never late. So that was really really a nice thing uh, down there and at at West Point. Um, and then following you know following their graduation, you get to see some of those uh, cadets turn out to be. Uh, some really uh, interesting military uh, lieutenants and officers moving on to their careers, so uh, it, it's interesting. And the beaches didn't really suck all that bad either, did they? No, the beaches were awesome <laughs> at, at, at Charleston. That's getting to see the the ocean every day is 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 definitely nice. So you know, you mentioned that capital afforded you an opportunity to be a head athletic trainer and bring you closer to home. A lot of times, that's certainly the thing that gets you through the door. But for you, what was it that kind of clinched the deal, aside from an offer, but made you feel like, you know, this is the place that I want to be? Um, you know, I, I, it was the, the people. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I got to walk around campus with uh, the former men's lacrosse coach, uh, Billy Olin, um, who, who definitely was a good salesman on, on Capitol. Um, I already had a, a connection to the former fo- head football coach, uh, Craig Candido. He was um, a quarterback coach at the Citadel while I was there. He's a Navy man, so we don't hold that against him either. <laughs> um, but other than that, the the, the, the students, um, I got an opportunity to meet the students, and they were very enthusiastic. Um, and they definitely wanted somebody to come in here and, and that was willing to take care of them. So 
Um, you know, on top of everything else, I mean, the, the campus was beautiful. I, I, I loved the campus. Um, and the athletic training facilities are, are really nice compared to most places um, throughout the state. So I, I didn't have to uh, ask for more than what I already had in here. So it was, it was a nice transition. This is head athletic trainer Matt Smith. Let's deep dive beyond getting the athletes back onto the field. You know, everybody knows that you, you get them back on, and that's the 30,000-foot view of what you do and kind of a, a watered-down and naive version of your job description. Without getting into the COVID-19-related stuff that you've had to take on, what are we missing about what is your normal day-to-day? Um, I think what, what people don't see is, is the, the day-to-day operations, uh, a lot of the rehab, um, taking those injuries. Um, you know, I, I literally get to see them from the moment they are hurt. They, they don't get hurt and then come find me later. I'm usually on the field when they get hurt. So I see that injury from the moment it happens through the rehab process, through the functional exercises, and, and then to the return to play. Uh, so that that's really rewarding, um, and and on top of that, uh, I get to try to work with athletes to prevent the injuries from occurring the first time around. So I spend a lot of my time uh, trying to prevent injuries as much as trying to treat the ones that are, that occur. Um, you know, people see us on the sidelines taping ankles and wrists and all that, and that's what we get a, a rap doing. But the majority of our day is spent doing physical therapy and uh, hydration checks and making sure that they are ready to perform at the highest uh, highest ability they can. Now, you've told me we've had a lot of offline conversations about other things that you do, and, and there's paperwork, and there's a significant amount of it. You know, where does athletic or how does athletic training and just your knowledge about, you know, insurance policies and just other things that need to be taken into account beyond the rehab and all that, where does that intersect? Um, well, I mean, I do, you know, every athlete, we carry a second, what's called a secondary insurance policy meaning uh, anything that is a major expense falls on their primary insurances. And then uh, once that's covered, um, our insurance uh, usually picks up the remaining balances. This is really important for the surgeries. Um, you know, we don't really meet deductibles for just, you know, a couple x-rays or here or there. But when we have a surgery and, and those bills start to add up, um, our insurance does help alleviate some of those costs to that student athlete. It takes a lot of claims. Um, you know, insurance companies are famous for not wanting to pay when it's their time to pay. So we got to make sure that all the paperwork's lined up, explanation of benefits are sent over, bills are sent over, everything is documented so that um, that we can get these bills paid for. And it's that's it's a it's a daunting task. Um, it's one that I don't really enjoy, but it, it comes with it, and uh, it's it's such a small piece that it that everything else makes up for for having to deal with insurance and the paperwork and all that stuff well and the athletes know that you're there fighting those insurance companies on their behalf so that has to be pretty um you know it has to be nice to know that they have someone like you fighting for them you know another job oddity of yours is that you get to play part-time weatherman you know when the the weather isn't so great tell us about you know some of the decisions that you have to make and if you should be on tv making a living as a meteorologist uh, I mean, technology, thank God for technology. Um, you know, I, I'm constantly looking at the weather. Um, I mean, with baseball, you got rain, rain outs are all the time. You know, the coaches are constantly looking at the weather. But the biggest one is, is the lightning and, and knowing when the lightning's coming in. 
uh, how close it is and when it's time and too close that we need to take everybody off off the field and then on top of that how once the lightning's gone and the time has passed when to get them back on so we spent a lot of time um, you know dealing with the weather um, dealing with the heat uh, you know at the beginning of football camp uh, when those football players start putting those pads on it's hot so uh, I need to take into account what the humidity is and, and you know the, the more humidity the less that they're going to cool themselves off um, so you know there's times where we got to spend time making sure that we're cooling them off so, to prevent any heat illnesses and everything like that um, you know it's it's a job where you know, coaches are responsible for, for wins and losses, and, and basically the athletic trainers are responsible for the health care and the day-to-day -day lives for, of, the, of them. So, you know, we got to really look at everything and make sure that those uh, athletes are um, their individual, individual people and they're taken care of as individuals. We're talking with head athletic trainer Matt Smith here at Capital University. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about things that are not so glorious, some things that are. For you, what about the job made you want to be an athletic trainer? And when did you realize that? Um, I, missed, I missed a couple of games. I was an athlete. I played uh, sports all through high school. I missed a couple of games in high school um, and got to know my athletic trainer at, at, uh, at Mentor High School. Uh, he was also a, actually a seventh grade health uh, teacher of mine as well. So um, just watching him daily, I, I, I got to learn what he did. Um, I went to school and in college, I fell in love with the college athletics and working every day with the college athletes. Um, it's, it's kept me there. I, I, so I'm, I'm glad I, I did get to the colleges. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know, knowing that there's times where people aren't able to play and they're they're just that's the most devastating thing to them and then getting them back on that that's the really the, the joy of the job and, and making sure that they're taken care of so you get to talk with a lot of young people that are also interested in a path in athletic training what's the best advice that you give those individuals um well i mean this is a job that you you come in every single day and you have an idea of what's going to go on but at, at any moment in time your entire day changes um, you know, it, it only takes one second for an athlete to get hurt and for that person to come in and, and see you. And depending on the severity of the injury, it could take a matter of five minutes. It could take a matter of hours. Um, so, you know, you need to be able to adjust. Um, you, there's not a whole lot of meetings uh, up until this year. Um, you're going to be on your feet a lot. But that's being said, you're spending the majority of your time watching people participate in some sort of athletic if it's a game or if it's a practice so you spend a lot of time outside um you know it, it's perfect for me i'm not a person that likes to sit still for too long so i'm always moving um always getting you know to to, to watch something that's entertaining um and that's the way i look at the job it, it, it's being i'm being entertained while i am working you know, this is probably actually the most that you've had to sit down in a while, you and me sitting here talking and chatting with one another. But, you, you know, you make a good point, too, that it's not just games that you guys go to. I mean, you go to every single practice as well. So the time commitment is beyond the scope of an athletic schedule. Talk about just balancing the schedule practices, games, preventative and, you know, reactive rehab. All those things have to coincide. How do you do it? 
Uh, luckily, I have I do have a staff of of five, uh, full time, uh, unbelievable staff. I, I'm I'm very proud of my staff, um, and to the point where I'll 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 take my staff um, amongst any staff in the country. We we are here. Um, there's times where we're here from seven o'clock in the morning, and our last practice by the time it ends and get everybody cleaned up and iced down and do any evals that we have to. It could be one o'clock in the morning, um, depending on what the weather is outside. Um, on top of the practices, we're here for the weight rooms. We're here for the conditioning. Uh, so if there's any physical activity, there's there's somebody around. Um, we do definitely um, are here. We usually have sport assignments. Um, so I'm usually here when the football team's here. I'm usually here when uh, a secondary team is here. Uh, I have assistants that cover uh, other teams when they're practicing, but it, it's definitely around the clock. We're uh, we're always here. I, I you know, I'll tell you, we're here before the coaches get here. We're here well after the coaches leave. Um, just making sure that uh, you know everything is is taken care of, everyone's taken care of, and that we don't miss anything. We're talking with head athletic trainer Matt Smith. Matt, I've avoided the topic of COVID-19 as long as I can, but you knew it was coming. You know, athletic director Dixie Jeffers is incredibly complimentary of you and the entire athletic training staff at Capitol for its work in keeping COVID-19 away as best as you can, keeping our athletes going and giving our student athletes the best opportunity to compete. So, you know, you're you're on a uh, on a committee that has helped either form policy or just kind of guide us through this. Talk about your role on the COVID nineteen response team here at Cap. Um. Yeah, well, uh, over the summer, I I, uh, I started sitting in meetings um, with what's what became the COVID response team at Capitol. Uh, it's it's made up of uh, people all over campus, um, multiple. Uh, departments, um, working with the nursing department as well, uh, and, and coming together to try to help um, keep COVID off campus. And then when it does do come up here, we, we are able to try to do the contact tracing as fast as possible and to limit the exposures to the rest of the campus. Um, I, I have called anybody from that's in isolation or quarantine. Uh, to the general public and student body uh, and the athletic department uh, just to make sure that on a day-to-day basis while they're in quarantine that they're not you know that they get their food that their classes are going okay uh, make sure that they're not uh, developing any symptoms um, and then and then just making sure that they're they're okay uh, even worried about mental health uh, and, and everything with that so as a campus, we're, we're, we're trying to do our best. Um, we are uh, constantly taking phone calls. Um, and then if uh, somebody does need to be tested, uh, we do our best to make sure that they are seeing a, a, a healthcare professional that can get that taken care of ASAP. What do you feel has been the most challenging aspect of this entire experience navigating COVID and, and all that comes with it? I don't know if there's an easy, anything easy with this. Uh, COVID is... Um, is definitely showing the world what happens with research. Um, you know that you do some research and you get some get some knowledge, and then you do more research and you gain more knowledge. And sometimes uh, it, it 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 you prove something that you had an idea of wrong, and you start moving in a different direction. So, trying to create policies and make sure that those policies are communicated, but then 
changing. The po I mean, every policy has been a fluid um, document that we have to continue to update. So trying to stay up to the most up-to-date COVID policies, that's, that's very challenging. And then the contact tracing. Once we've established that we have a, a positive case, um, the, the county is so far behind that the university has had to take this contact tracing in on its own. And it's, it's, a, it's a challenge because you got to start thinking back days, uh, sometimes a week, to try to see who you were in contact with and how long you were in contact with somebody. And so that's, that's a, a very hard, um, you got to make sure you ask the right questions and sometimes you have to have follow-up phone calls. So it's, it spends a good amount of our day right now doing contact tracing. And what other areas have you gained a lot of experience, whether that's just general health education, policy, you know, where else have you gained a lot of experience and knowledge in? Uh, well, I, I've gained a lot of knowledge on actually the inner workings of the university. Um, there's, you know, I, I've been, you know, solely in athletic departments and, and I've worked at universities in my entire career, but there's so much more that goes on to the everyday running of a university that that you don't think about when you're in you know you're in your athletic department and, and taking care of athletes um so i've i've got i've gained a lot of knowledge of of um you know other departments outside of athletics um i feel that also in this i'm showing what athletic trainers can do outside of athletics uh I, i'm getting an opportunity to work with nurses um, doctors, physical, um, or I'm sorry, nurse practitioners and phys uh, physician assistants that have never worked with athletic trainers before weren't 100% sure what kind of health care we provided and, and they're realizing that um, athletic trainers are, are very qualified uh, health care employees that, that can help well outside of athletics. Now I won't put you on the spot but given the direction that we've had to go and that goes in a lot of different ways you know we're, we're trying to get our student athletes competing again what do we need to continue to do in order to navigate where we are currently and to make sure that we're still on pace for you know getting back to athletics as soon as possible uh, i mean you know we, we we need to do a very good job following the cdc recommendations um I, i'm a firm believer that the the social distancing and, and the masks help you know, reduce the, the, the spread. Um, so I think we need to continue with that. We need the university and the students are doing a, a tremendous job um, trying to limit their exposures. Um, so, you know, we, we've done pretty well as a university. Um, you know, that, that's not to say we haven't had a, a little couple scares here or there, um, but we've done our best to try to, you know, to stay safe and not sorry. Um, so I, I think we're doing pretty well with that. Um, I want everybody to compete just as much as anybody else. I mean, you know, I, I'd much rather spend my days on the, on the field watching practices than in, in Zoom meetings trying to figure out how we can come up with practices. Um, but I, I think our, our students have bought in. I, I think we're doing a very good job um, of maintaining it, and we just need to continue to maintain this until we get to a competitive season. Uh, where we can show that, that, that it is working. 
We're here with head athletic trainer Matt Smith. And Matt, this is the point in time where we go and try to learn more about you. You're not just the guy that's yelling at people all the time. You know, you're a you're a dad, you're a husband, you're a sports fan. So let's get to know you a little bit. So you mentioned that you played sports while you were growing up. What sports did you play, and uh, what are your favorites? Um, I grew up playing football, baseball, and hockey. Um, you know, I, I, those three are. Are, are, are three of my favorites. Um, I mean, I still play in men's league hockey today. Um, so, you know, I, I, I love that. I'm, I'm not a big runner. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for those people that can go out and just run and run and love to do it. I, my short legs are not a fan <laughs> of running. Um, but, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, I, I just love athletics. There's, there's not a whole lot of uh, sports that I'm not willing to just sit and watch. That you, we kind of alluded to who maybe one of your favorite teams were earlier in this episode, but I'll let you say who are your favorite teams in all of the sports that you follow. Well, well, growing up in Cleveland, um, my dad was from Pittsburgh, so every Sunday um, before there was the Directv, he he took me to what was called a Steeler fan club. So I never got to watch the I never watched the Browns growing up. I grew up a Steeler fan, diehard Steeler fan. Um, I'm definitely a, a, a Penguins fan. Um, you know, the, the Blue Jackets weren't around when I was growing up, so I, I, I got to experience the, the Mario Lemieux and the Yammer Yagers and their back-to-back Stanley Cups, so definitely a Penguins fan. But uh, uh, when it comes to uh, baseball and basketball, that's where uh, I do, do stand behind Cleveland on that one. I am a Cavs fan and an Indians fan. Favorite athletes current and of all time? Oh, well, I mean, I have... I think right now, I mean, my, my, my favorite athlete right now uh, has got to be Sidney Crosby, uh, the things that he can do on the ice, um, and he's not the biggest guy in the world, too, so it, it's, it's definitely he, him as an active player. Um, Baseball-wise, I, I, I really do like Mike Trout. I, I think he's a, an unbelievable player, and I like how he's, he does it quietly. Um, as for as for former players, um, I mean Jerome Bettis was 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 my guy when I was uh, in junior high school and high school, uh, to the point where that I wore thirty six when I played football, uh, and again Yammer Yager and, and Mario Lemieux were were you know big idols of mine, and uh, you know I got to see them play several times, so um, you know I was there, um, but. Uh, just in case you're wondering, I was actually I was a four-year-old kid at the drive, so I, I do like John Elway as I got to experience uh, John Elway uh, drive that ball down the field. Nice. Now, you actually named your son Crosby, so how hard of it was a sell to your wife, Michelle, to name your son after one of your favorites? Well, she, she happened to be watching a, a TV show... I can't remember the name of the show off the top of my head, but there was a character named Crosby in 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 the show, um, and, and you know, someone growing up with the name Matt Smith is just so common. Um, she she knew that she did not want to have a very common first name, so when I threw Crosby out there, um, she 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 loved it. So it didn't take a whole lot of arm arm twisting uh, at all. <laughs> but you might have actually agreed on it for different reasons then. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what about favorite sports movie? Uh, I mean, I love sports movies. I mean, right now, I mean, if I'm going to go right off the the cuff, I'm going to say either The Sandlot or uh, The Major League. Uh, maybe even throw in uh, you know one of the first two Mighty Ducks. Um, you know, those are great movies. Um, 
So, you know, there's that. But there's been some really good ones that have come out lately, you know, Miracle and Moneyball. Um, but it, but those, those 80s and 90s movies were definitely some of the best. Good choices. Now, if you had a life walk-up song or when you're walking up and ready to treat an athlete and there's music playing in the background, what's going to be your walk-up song? Oh, man, I didn't... I must have missed this question. <laughs> well, I mean, I've always told people my, my theme song is the... the uh, the rap song I Wish I Was a Little Bit Taller by Ski Low uh, <laughs> that's I mean, mine you can't steal it <laughs> so so I mean you know I can always throw that one out there I'd rather I'd rather somebody be laughing while I'm on the field than than, than anything else so you know I, I, I like that song now who is the most famous person that you've either treated or maybe passed through your halls um well passed through my halls I, I've been that I spent time uh, at the Citadel and at um, the West Point, um, I've actually had the opportunity to um, meet three different presidents, uh, and, and President Clinton, President uh, George uh, Bush, and, and um, President Obama actually was here at Capitol a few years ago. Um, I actually have a President Bush story. He, uh, his last Army-Navy football game, he, he walked out on the field during warm-ups, and um, Every single person, every you know, every player quickly got in line to shake his hand. And uh, before I knew it, I was, without even knowing, I was the last person in line. And um, I, I put my hand out to shake his hand, and I don't think he saw me, and he turned away and started shaking other people's hands and <laughs> kind of missed me. And I kind of tried to play it off uh, in the middle of the field, but... Uh, my my parents were in the, in, in the stands, and uh, uh, my coworker from the other side of the field saw it, and they all made sure that they, they pointed out. Um, luckily, his Secret Service saw it, too. So in the locker room later, before the game, uh, the Secret Service did pull me around and said, hey, by the way, we, we noticed that uh, um, he didn't see you, so come on over here and shake his hand. So I got to shake his hand later in the day. Uh, as far as professional athletes, um, the, the pitcher that the Indians just traded, Michael Clevenger, he was a, uh, a pitcher of mine um, when I was at the Citadel. Uh, I got to spend some a couple years with him there. Um, and then um, also the, the starting left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Ali Villanueva. He was a, a man of many positions up at, um, at West Point. He was a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, and even a wide receiver. Uh, but um, after spending his, uh, his, you know, his commission and actually receiving some military awards for combat uh, he's now in the nfl so um, i got to experience them um, i think altogether i've gotten to work with at least 26 uh, major or baseball players that have gone on to be drafted uh, about four of them have made it to the league all right, we're uh, wrapping things up here with head athletic trainer Matt Smith as he's told us about his day-to-day -day going through COVID and now just having a little bit of fun getting to know him. Matt, thanks very much for joining us here on the program. Thank you very much. It was great. All right, we'll keep on moving along here in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. All right, Cap fam, once again, we're doing a little bit of a hybrid feature piece and alumni piece. We, we keep on finding more 
out about what is happening with our cat fam once they leave and the cool things that they're doing. And this week's guest on the alumni spotlight is certainly no exception. We didn't have to go all that further back into the archives to find today's guest out of the class of 2019 and from Capital Football is Mr. Kane Murray, who is now the legislative aide for the minority whip of the Democratic Party here in Franklin County. So welcome back, my friend. It seems like yesterday you were on the sidelines of the fields to the crusaders and well you will be soon again we'll get into that later but let's talk about what you're up to right now where are you and, and what are you up to yeah thanks for having me ryan uh like like you said i am the minority um the aide for the minority whip uh the Ohio house of representatives um uh, and i know whip is a confusing term there um for for those who are not as adverse in the, or into politics it, it just means that um my job is with my boss is to get everybody who says they're registered Democrats uh, to vote Democratic. Um, and when we go into law voting, um, if you were, if I worked for a Republican, it would be the same thing. Um, we just make sure that everybody is voting the way that we talked about, and we're not going to be surprised when we get to the floor, you know? So that's all that whip means. You're just whipping everybody to make sure that we are all on the same page. It's just a communication thing. And just so that everybody out there knows, this is not a political discussion. We are not talking about, you know, where you should be voting or who you should be voting oh, for. Oh, no, this sir. Is just, uh, this is strictly a uh, nonpartisan interview just to, you know, see someone that is actually working within the process and especially locally here in the Columbus area for the state of Ohio. So now you, you describe to us what the term whip means and immediately to me and probably for many others, we have thoughts of the movie or the series Scandal on Netflix and so for those that, uh, you know, maybe had that image in their mind, you know, how close, um, you know, are you to uh, some of those stories or is there any kind of correlation between what we see on Scandal and what you're up to? Tell us how close we are to it all. Uh, I, I personally, I've only watched a couple episodes of Scandal because it is pretty, I'd hate to, to burst a couple bubbles, pretty unrealistic. Um, if I were to, I also say if I worked at a hospital, I wouldn't watch Grey's Anatomy. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things um, where you're like, oh, that wouldn't happen. But if it did, like the, you know, all the back and forth um, between parties and, and arguments and disagreements, um, that stuff does happen on a daily basis, just on a smaller scale. Um, so if if you were looking for scandal you don't want to work at the Ohio house. It's going to be a lot more boring than that. We just try to get things done for the people and get them done right. Well, considering some of the stories that come out of the series scandal, I'm pretty glad that you are far away from some of the, you know, the, some of the things that happened in that show. So, you know, but for you on your day to day, like what, what does a day to day look like for you? So day to day, I uh, check my email a lot. I, I got to be on top of that because I represent, um, House District 44, um, and that is Toledo, a, a small portion of Toledo downtown. Um, and there are many of us who uh, represent Toledo, but I represent that portion. So I have to make sure that my constituents are, have everything they need. People have been emailing me um, about unemployment, about housing benefits, evictions, anything that uh, the people of Toledo need. Uh, I will be of service to them and do what I can. So now, how long have you been in your position? And Kane, tell us your path in getting there. So I've been in my position that I am now for a year. 
Um, I started at the house as an intern in 2018. And, and from there, I moved up to a page, which is a, 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 a college worker on that behalf of that political party. So I worked for the um, Democrats, of course, and my, some of my good friends actually worked for the Republicans. So we actually worked pretty closely together on that. And after I applied for um, an LSE fellowship, which is a program that takes about 20 to 25 uh, college students after they graduate and you get into learning about real laws and, and doing the job. Um, but fortunately for me, there was a position that opened with the minority whip that she said I got into the, the program. So I, I hopefully I'm good enough for her office. And I think we've been working out just fine. Uh, Paula Hickson is a great boss. She's very um, respectful of my time. Um, and we work very well together. And I'm happy to be where I'm at. Now, is that something that, you know, that's part of the job is, you know, where you get assigned, what districts you serve, or is that something that is sorted out later and kind of part of how you got to serve people of the Toledo, Ohio area? So that's part of the job. You apply um, with said state rep, if that representative, like Representative Boggs is Franklin County, and her aide is one of my good friends, Kelly. So Kelly knew going in that she was going to work for Rep Boggs and she wanted to work with um, the people of Franklin County. Uh, I got selected um, from Representative Hicks Hudson just with my, uh, from my resume. Um, and she thought that I could learn more about Toledo as I serve the people. And I have I've learned a lot about um, Northwest Ohio and I've, I've come to love it a lot. Fantastic. We're talking with Kane Murray, class of 2009, also a member of the Capitol football team from 2015 to 2018. Uh, Kane, you are not exactly a stranger in politics. Your father, Doug Franklin, is now serving in his third term as the mayor of Warren, Ohio, located in Trumbull County, north of Youngstown. Can you talk about his influence on you and choosing politics to ex explore as a career? Yeah, so my dad is um, my one of my best friends, um, and I saw him just be a a good person throughout my whole life. And, and then when he eventually decided to run for mayor, I was around, um, I was in the eighth grade. So I don't know what age that is off the top of my head right now. But once he made that transition, I just saw uh, how much he cared for the people. Um, he wouldn't mind if people knocked on our front door. Uh, my dad would walk the neighborhood for, for hours and hours on end, um, just talking to people. And it, it really influenced me to want to, you know, be in my community and just see what I could do to help. Um, and that's always just something I've been about. If you can help, you should help, especially uh, if you think there's a problem. And if you think there's a problem, I think putting your best foot forward and, and doing all you can to change that problem is what you should do. And that's something that my dad's taught me and something that I can I want to continue to do in my life. Fantastic. And I know that you're no stranger to influencing change. For those that aren't familiar, Kane, you were one of the first and more outspoken athletes at the time that Colin Kaepernick was taking his first stance against police brutality and social injustice. What inspired you to take similar actions and just take a stance in general so early in that movement? Yeah, so I am uh, a proud uh, African-American, and I, I truly believe that the treatment um, from law enforcement has been unfair uh, throughout the history of law enforcement with uh, people of my color. But I, I do believe in improvement and positivity. So I believe that taking that stand early on um, was just to show that I am 
uh, for positivity and equality. That's that's all it was. It, and I, I think we've gotten past the uh, it was a disrespected movement to the flag because we all know that we love America and we're all proud to be Americans. Um, but we have to all be comfortable as Americans. And I just wanted to share that um, and show that I'm one proud to be um, African American and proud to be the color that I am. But uh, that we need change, we need equality, and there are peaceful and, and, and good ways to do it and go about it. Now, when you did that, is that something, that movement and being a part of change, did that parlay into your choice to enter the political arena or to search out other ways that you could make change through a career in service? Yeah, it had a, it all correlates, uh, I think, and that's that's the good thing about uh, this this wonderful thing we call life. I have always wanted to be a forefront of of expanding your horizon, getting new ideas, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, um, learning about other people, other cultures, and, and, and just overall expanding your overall knowledge of everybody and, and doing what you can. Um, so I think that along with my upbringing, my dad, my mom, and just, I, I credit everybody. I take, I take no credit for, um, a lot of the things that I do because I wouldn't be able to do them, wouldn't have done them without my influence, my upbringing. So, yeah. Now, now we as a country, we still have a long ways to go to bring equity to so many that haven't received it over the years. And whatever your cause is or whatever your beliefs are, do you have a recommendation or advice to give to those that are looking to make or inspire change? Well, my first one, and this was one's important, uh, vote. Um, I think that is one of the most important things. I, I, it doesn't matter, like you said before, this was never a political conversation, so it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on. Um, voting and make sure your voice, voice is heard is the most important thing. And after that, uh, make sure that the people you're voting for are doing the things that you put them in place to do, doing the things that they promised. Um, writing letters to your representatives, your elected officials, your, your local elections, and making sure that your vote counts um, and make sure it counts after the vote. And I think that's the important thing. Now, you're also working in politics in an election year. I'm sure that your workload and, and your time is exceptionally uh, rare to, to give. But what can you tell people, no matter what your beliefs are, again, no matter what side of the spectrum that you, you reside on, about the importance of being involved in the process, not just on November 3rd or even before it in this year's case, but even beyond? Yeah, I think that's uh, more important than... Then, then we actually let people lead on. Um, getting involved and, and staying involved is is very important for you, just for you as a person to make sure that you know everything that's going on in the world and you can stay involved in your, in your like I said, your local elections and, and most importantly, your local elections. Uh, because those fall by the wayside when we talk about presidential years. Um, people will vote for the president but won't vote for uh, city council members or mayors or, or your your district that helps you the most. Um, so I think staying involved is, is the most important thing. And as far as an election year, um, my main focus with my office was making sure that everybody had the chance to vote. Um, Ohio has been really good with making sure that everybody has their, their absentee ballots and, and, and polling stations are open. And if you ha do have a problem, I would advise you to reach out to your local uh, representative to make sure that, again, you can make sure your voice, voice is heard.
Fantastic. We're talking with Kane Murray, class of 2019 and four-year member of the Capital Football team. All right, so if you're, you've been waiting for this interview to kind of shift over to football, and, and now is that time. Let's talk some football, Kane. You were a linebacker here at Capital for four years, and you came from Warren Harding High School. So exactly what brought you to Capital? So it's actually a funny story. Um, I wasn't planning to go to Capitol on, uh, what you say, commitment day is when all the kids sign and you feel good with your hat. On commitment day, I originally was going to Mount Union, but I got there um, for my second visit and one of the coaches just absolutely spaced on my name and looked at me and stared at me and just didn't know who I was. And I realized at that moment that that's not where I wanted to be. Um, I went to Capitol on my visit and it was, it just felt like home. Everybody was so nice to me and, and they knew my name, which was great. Um, plus it, they had an advantage because my, uh, one of my older cousins was a, on the basketball team at the time. Um, so I, after they welcomed me in with open arms and I already had family members here, it was a no brainer. Fantastic. You picked the right shade of purple, we'll say. (laughs) At what point in time in your search did you realize that, you know, this is where I want to be, this is where I want to stay, and that there was no turning back? So there there are always going to be rough patches in every um, relationship. And, and me and, and Capital and everybody's experience on our football team are no different. Like, there are going to be trials and tribulations that you have to go to in adversity. So after my freshman year, um, they don't tell you how hard camp is. Nobody does. You get there, and they don't tell you how, how grueling 30 straight days of football is. And you want to quit and you want to go home. But the only thing that keeps you around, I'd say, is was my teammates. Um, the guys that I'm still friends with, still roommates with to this day. Uh, the relationships that I built with them were worth all of it. You know, there's often times where I remember seeing you on the sidelines and I kind of equate you to like the Frankie Lindor of capital football, just always smiling, always, you know, having a good time. You know, what, what were some of those good times that you look back on and and made you smile the way that we remember you smiling? Oh, I, 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 the Otterbein um, (laughs) when uh, the one yard line making that stop, I, I just my favorite capital moment of all time, especially uh, the sophomores that were on that team that some of those, I think they were seniors last year. I'm getting kind of old um, that were on that team. I still still friends with those guys. We still talk about that uh, to this day. And that's actually the one yard line stop. I don't know if that's my favorite moment or if it's the fumble. It's both, they're both Audubon plays. Um, but when I, when I think about smiling, that is smiling on the capital football team. Those are, uh, some of the moments and the first whiteout game um, first Muskegon when we won that in overtime, that was, that was one of the better moments that I think people, some people forget that that was that the first whiteout first night game. Oh, not whiteout uh, first night yeah, game. That yeah. that one was a good one. Pack stands. That was, a really it was good amazing one. to kind of backtrack to the Otterbein rivalry. I mean, it seems like it's as vicious mm-hmm. now as it was about a hundred years ago. You know, what is it about that rivalry that stands out to you as, you know, your favorite part about it or what just keeps it so fresh year after year? I think the you know, it's going to sound a little weird, but I think the, the part I like the most about it is that they don't like us. Uh, and it's no like disrespect when we get out there. It's just a genuine, those guys are from that side of town. We're from this side of town. It's cool if they do their thing. We do our thing over here. 
um, in Bexley, you know? So I think just the, the feel of college football and there's something to play for is the best thing about the Audubon game. No matter what your record is, I, I promise you, both teams can go in there, oh, and whatever, and they want to win that game more than anything else. I think that is incredibly accurate. So let's take a step away from football and just think about other things that got you smiling. What's your favorite non-football-related memory? Uh, from capital favorite non-football-related memory. Mud tug. I would do mud tug every year, anywhere. Uh, mud tug is so fun. It's just one of those great capital traditions that uh, that I hope never goes away. Fantastic. We're talking with Kane Murray, class of 2019, four-year member of the Capital Football team. And, you know, Kane, you're not quite done with Capital Football yet. It's kind of ironic that when I contacted you about becoming a guest on the podcast, you actually kind of thought that I was contacting you about becoming a volunteer football coach. And that's when I learned, hey, you're coming yeah. back. So that was a really cool surprise. <laughs> well, what inspired that decision? Oh, just I love football so much. I didn't realize how much I, I missed it until I uh, was hearing about the guys practicing and I went to watch a couple practices. And then I asked coach, like, hey, I don't see anybody coaching the linebackers out there. Can I help out? And he was like, probably, you know, can't pay you or just because of other circumstances. And I have another job. The time commitment was too much, but I wanted to do whatever I could to help the team just for the love of the game and the love of capital football. So I'll be uh, volunteering whenever uh, coach allows me to get on the field and be around football um, for the spring and however long I can be in Bexley, you know, be around. So your specialty is with the linebackers. You were of course, a four year member of the team and a linebacker as well. What about that position uh, and and the mindset that it takes to play that position stands out as something that uh, is, you know, something of favorite of yours? Uh, It's because it takes everything. It takes your physical, your mental. It takes a lot out of you to play linebacker. I don't know if you uh, or or if anybody is listening, watch that hit from Derrick Henry with that Steelers linebacker. But that's what it takes to be linebacker. It takes you putting yourself at risk sometimes uh, for the betterment of the team. And I don't think there's a better lesson in the world of putting something before yourself. And that's getting back out and there. I think that's the business of linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you got to get right back up, get back on the horse and fill that yeah. hole again. For I, your team. I watched that play. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm, I'm glad that I've never been in that position where I'm like adjusting my jaw after a hit like that. But Yeah. Yeah. When you see a guy see you, that's the that's when you know like if you can play linebacker. You see him see you, you still gotta hit him. Yep. That that takes a special breed of person. And I'm glad that it was you it and those does. that you coach that are in that position. So you know you, yeah. you mentioned um you know you're not quite done maybe attaining some education. Um and this is obviously the first introduction that you will have to coaching. What's your vision as far as, you know, within the next five years or maybe where you want to go from this point forward, given the the experiences that you're collecting? You know, I um, I actually was talking to somebody else about a five year plan or a 10 year plan. And I think I really need to sit down and, and do one because I just have a lot of fun. Um, and I think that's something that I'm going to continue to do. I'm, I, I'm of course, going to go obtain some more education because I, I never think education is a bad thing. I think the more education you can obtain, the better. Um, but at this moment, I'm going to continue to have fun, coach some football, and think about a master's degree, I think, in the summertime. Um, but just being the best person I can be every day is all I can ask for myself and all you can ask 
Um, that's what we're going to continue to All do. All right, well, now we're going to put you on the hot seat with a couple of quick hitters here. So we're going to run down through yes, this list here so we can get to know you just a little bit better. Kane, what's some of your favorite sports teams? Uh, I'm a Northeast Ohio guy all the way. Uh, Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Indians. I don't know. watch a lot of baseball, but I root for the Indians. I'm rooting for the Cavs. Um, and since I'm a Northeast Ohio guy, I, I got to root for LeBron. I'm not really a Lakers fan, but I, I root for LeBron this season. I, I, I'm okay with right. that. And does that mean that I can predict your favorite athlete of all time? <laughs> you sure can. You sure can. It's, it's definitely LeBron James. I told uh, a lot of people that if LeBron came back from that 3-1 deficit, I'd name my first kid LeBron. So we we'll have to see about that um, because I actually don't have a, a child on the way or, or, or don't any of those things imagine yet. But my first my first son has to be has to have LeBron in there somehow. I put that down when we're down 3-1. And he right. didn't. We're, well, we'll be coming back a few years from now to see if that comes true. Yeah. <laughs> How about favorite sports movie? Oh, favorite sports movie? The thing about me is people always uh, ragging me that I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, but it'll probably have to be T-Ball. You're I don't think I one? am, which is kind of not normal. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah it's a – I don't even know if I got the right name. It's got a um, – like Nelly and it and everything. It's one of those older, uh, older movies with a baseball team and just some kids in the projects and come together on the baseball team and it ends up being a happy story. So that's why I liked it. Uh, it was actually pretty sad. I think one of the kids actually died and they had to play for him. Um, I'm gonna have to get back with that one, but I, I need to watch more TVs, more sports movies. <laughs> all right, fair here. enough. I'll give you a list after all of this is done. How about the uh, favorite musical artist? Uh, my favorite musical artist is Frank Ocean. I think uh, he's just, he does a lot that people don't appreciate. And if I had to pick a close second, it would be The, the Weeknd. Um, I'm a real R&B guy. I'm always singing and dancing. So you, you saw me on the sidelines. Um, so uh, I, I go with a lot of R&B and pop uh, for my playlist okay. here. Now, I know that uh, you're, you're not playing right now, but I'm sure that you did have one um, and may have one again as a volunteer coach. But what was your favorite pregame meal? My favorite pregame meal, I always, always, always had. Uh, it's four drumsticks, rice. Uh, was it four drumsticks, rice, and I had always two slices of bread from the MDR when I was at Capitol. I have no idea why. Um, Monty would be up there. He'd be like, game day, and I'd have my meal, and it ended up being my favorite thing before games. In high school, we did the same thing, though, uh, but they had decided to supply to us. So I guess that's probably what did it now I think about it. Um, so drumsticks and, and rice before every game is what right. I did. What? <laughs> what was uh, the thing about Columbus when you got down here that was the biggest shock to you? The biggest shock to me in Columbus was how I don't want to make Warren sound mean because it's not it's really not a really nice place, but it was people were really nice and and opening and, and one open and wanting to let you explore and and everybody was talkative. I don't know if it was just Bexley or was that it was that Columbus, but uh, everybody was really nice and welcoming. So that was something that was surprising about Columbus because I heard people in the city were mean. And I was like, well, I'm expecting a mean Columbus, and I didn't get it. So right. happy about that. Now, what is something about Columbus or <laughs> Bexley, besides everybody being really nice, that you have enjoyed the most? Yeah. 
uh, the atmosphere, just uh, like 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 the 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 small town atmosphere of Bexley made me um, miss Warren, Ohio. Uh, just the mom and pop shops that that are on the side there. Uh, everything around the grocery stores, the accessibility to things, it was what's great about Bexley. You never really had to leave the city to get things that you wanted. I do miss that about college. Everything's a walk away. Now, I know that you're not too far removed from capital, but give us a teammate that maybe you miss the most. Oh, that that one I thought about. Mm, oh, these guys are going to kill me. They hear this. I really miss Cole Carter. He's a, he's a cool guy. We had a lockers beside each other. Um, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to put two guys in. Cole Carter and, and Matt Lewolfo. Just uh, um, Mike Lewolfo. Uh, my my years there. I kind of took him under my wing. I, I wish he was still on the team um, there, but uh, Mike Lewolfo. Uh, that Otterman interview we did is just one of my favorite um, my favorite times, my pastimes at Capitol. I really appreciate that, and I really appreciate this. Well, hey, we're glad to have you here. We got a couple more left for you. Uh, So, you know, this one that can go either way. What teammate, for better or worse, will you never be able to forget Mm. and why? It's got to be Tom. You you just can't – you can't forget Tom Wibbler. Uh, Guy that probably was just uber – way more talented than I've seen in a lot of Division Three football players. Uh, if you you've seen Tom play, he, he's just a guy, and he's one of the best leaders that we've had on our team. Um, so I don't think I've ever played with a uh, one a, a leader that great and a, a quarterback that great. Tom was really All right, good. Now again, off of the field, let's go into the classroom. What was your favorite uh, favorite class that you took at Capital? My favorite class is my ethics class, uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, Hilbrenner, Stephen Hilbrenner. I'm, I hope he's still teaching that. If you, if you hear this, take that class. It was, I would take it again. I would pay for it um, just because he really made you think, and he lets you think outside the box, and that was like the whole class, you know, uh, putting things into perspective, making a point and arguing that point. If you think you're right, tell me why. You know, it was really – it made you think, and I think – all class at Capital did that, but that was the one that I enjoyed. Right. The most. And what was your least favorite? <laughs> oh, statistics. Yeah, it was. Yeah, didn't have to think about it. Uh, it was just a lot of, of course, a lot of numbers. Um, but chemistry is a was a close second, but I dropped it too quick um, to think about that. To biology. Now, instead. if there is a favorite place on Capital's campus for you, what is that? My favorite place. And it'll always be the Mez. Um, it's a beautiful weight room. I worked there, uh, and it's so relaxing <laughs> sitting at that front desk. Just brings back some good memories. And uh, looking over the MDR, talking to my teammates, uh, I love the Mez. And I'll always all right, love that last place. question for you, Kane. The best piece of advice that you can give a current or future Capital student that's listening. Capital is all about uh, knowing the campus. I would connect to everybody you see because you are going to see them over and over and over again and, and roles progress people progress on campus and it's just nice to network within your campus because you don't know who that person knows um see if you can get a meeting with your advisor talk to them about hey dude can i meet the president like there are things that you can do at, on capitals campus that you can't do at a, at a big school you can't 
ask to meet the president. It might take you a couple of weeks, but you're going to be able to do it. I, I promise you, Ohio State, that's a lot tougher. You know, so use your small school to your advantage and really make people do their jobs. And they're all going to be really happy. All right, Kane, this has been a fantastic interview. Getting to see what you do on the day to day here, especially in an election year as the legislative aide for the minority whip and to go down memory lane a little bit, even though it wasn't really all that long ago. And we're going to enjoy getting to see you back on the sidelines as a volunteer coach here uh, coming up soon and through the season this spring, which sounds really weird to say. Yeah, it sure does. It's something that we're adjusting to, but we're all putting in the work here on the on the football team to really uh, surprise a lot of people in the OAC um, because we're all focused on winning. You should see us in practice. Uh, we're all head on, focused, nothing but winning. It's all a one thing, one oh, We heart, can't wait team. to see it. We can't wait to see you return back to the gridiron here. Kane Murray, class of 2019, for your member of the Capitol football team and legislative aide for the minority whip here in the state of Ohio. Thanks so much, Kane, for joining us. Yes, sir. All Thank right, you so pleasure. much for having me. We're going to keep on moving forward here in Forward Capital Crusaders. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. We'd like to thank our guests today, Dixie Jeffers, head athletic trainer Matt Smith, and Capital grad and public servant Kane Murray for their time and insight. If you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, hit up our website, athletics.capital.edu, or find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll be back on Tuesday, November 10th, when we welcome track and field All-American Lizzie Stanton to reminisce and talk about her career as a member of the Columbus Fire Department. We'll choose another Capital team to feature, plus your regular AD update. Get up to the minute information by following Cap Athletics on social media too. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Cap Crusaders and on Facebook if you search Capital University Athletics. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Cap fam, let's keep moving forward and don't forget to do your civic duty and vote on or before Election Day.